What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hi everyone and welcome to It's Time to Talk, episode two. This is the show where we open up the conversation and try and get ourselves and hopefully you guys talking about mental health in our day-to-day lives. I'm joined by Fancastians Richard. Hello everyone. And by Adam. Hi guys. And I am Matt Guy, your host. So today we are going to talk about social media and its impact on mental health. Again, I have to preface this by saying we are no experts at all when it comes to mental health from a uh, doctor point of view or from a from a medical background. But it's something that we're all really passionate about and something that we feel as the fan cast, we have a kind of a duty to try and help the conversation along. So hopefully you guys get a benefit from this and we'd love it if you interact with us when this comes out on social media hopefully in the right ways and hopefully get some benefit from this episode. So what I'd like to start off with guys, if I can, is just asking what your use of social media is just in your own personal life. What do you use it for? What apps do you use? And um, how does that look like in your day? I'll start with you, Ad. Yeah. So uh, for me, um, I mainly use two, to be honest. So I use Twitter and uh, Instagram. So I used, I used to be, a Facebook user, um, but I, 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 I haven't used that for a long time now, to be honest. I haven't used it for, I don't know, probably about two years, maybe maybe something around that mark, for, for reasons that we'll probably get onto, you know, as, as, as the pod goes on. Um, I was never one of these people that started out with a MySpace. I didn't even know what MySpace was back when it was going. Um, I was alerted to Facebook by like an ex-girlfriend's friend, and I just, just went with it from there, but... Um, I see now so, there's so many social media apps mm. you can get. You can kind of get a bit, you know, you know if, if, you've got, if you've got at least half of them, I don't know how you'd fit anything else in your day other than looking at social media because there's just so many out there. But no, for me, when I stopped using Facebook, I moved over to, to Twitter just because I, lo- I like to use that for news and, mm. you know, sport, little sports journalists, news journalists, and what have you. And Instagram, really, I just used to follow people of interest so like rocks rock, you know um, rockers or bands that I like and mm-hmm. stuff like that and um what what that's now morphed into is again we'll get on to it but the quote-unquote influencers you know yeah. you'll see people there who wield a bit of clout in that world so yeah that's the two that that I use and I and you know we'll my, my usage of them will will we'll get into as as, as as the pod goes on but Let's let's say that my usage is kind of up and down, mm-hmm. as the frequency of how I use them. Absolutely, Rich. What do you uh, what do you use social media? What kind of apps are you using, and how often in your daytime would you say you use them? Well, I was going to say I, I, you might have seen me when Adam was speaking, looking down at my phone because every Monday 
uh, thanks to good people at Apple, I get a wonderful alert telling me how often I spend <laughs> looking at my screen. So I, I guess for many of you probably aware, I, I, I have been involved fairly actively in the Fancast social media accounts for the past five years, I think it is now. So uh, uh, along with personally, um, personal-wise, I probably use Twitter the most in terms of how active I am on that in terms of my, I guess, screen time. Um, that sort of sort of stemmed, I guess, similar to Adam, that it was but the beautiful thing about Twitter is that it, it, it's derived from being a micro-blogging site, so everything's happening really quickly on it, mm-hmm. um, which, are, which kind of appealed to me. So you could just give a short, snappy thought in the movement uh, in a short space of time, whereas Facebook, it didn't, unless everyone was on it at the same point of time, it didn't quite work, um, which is why I sort of used that a bit more. I've dropped off. I, I, I have Facebook. I don't regularly post on there without it coming from a different source like Instagram. Mm-hmm. So similar again to Adam, I think Twitter and Instagram are my main two. Facebook, I think it's probably what most of my family is still on, uh, particularly if I said the generation above me. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of, let's say, sharing things about um, my daughter or about, you know, major milestones in my, my life, it's the easiest way to connect yeah, with those people. Um, so, yeah, I, it, it'll probably go for me, Twitter, then Instagram, similar to Adam. It started off being, it's a high-profile people. Now, it's I, I think I've actually cut back on a lot of those types of people and probably follow more friends and family because I'm more mm-hmm. interested in seeing what they're doing as well as quite a lot of wolf stuff as well. Um, I, I guess the, apart from there's sometimes a bit of a dabble on Pinterest, especially during lockdown, I found I was on Pinterest a lot because I was mm-hmm. bored and wanted projects to do. Yeah. So that, that was kind of a nice fun little source for a bit. I, d- I don't use it very much though. And I, I'm not creative enough to do it, <laughs> but I think the one which I found myself using more and more, and this will probably tap into a bit more for mental health side of things is LinkedIn. Hmm. Now I, hmm. I, I, I work in a B2B environment and I have done for last sort of five, six years now. And obviously it's the professional social media account. And I was used to using it on my laptop and then had it as an app. I used to have it on solely my work phone. And then I got it on my personal phone and that is almost that's probably an app I use equally as much as just a general scroll yeah. as you know Instagram these days. Mm, I mean that's um that's something we're going to get onto a, a little bit when we look at the impact of comparing our lives to others via social media because I think LinkedIn is very much one of those where it can it can appear as a rat race as much as much as anything, but. What I want to get on to, um, it need, tees us up nicely, really. We do have a couple of guests like we did on the last episode. So we have Fancast favourite Harry Burgoyne on um, to talk about the um, the life of a professional footballer and his, his impact of social media on his mental health as well. We also have David Wilding from Twitter UK on with us as well, who is going to talk about some of the tools that he uses to help manage his mental health when it comes to not only his personal life, well, his job is related to Twitter as well. So some of the things that he finds really useful to keep his mental health in check when it comes to social media, because as much as we've become reliant on social media over the last five to 10 years, I think lockdown and coronavirus has meant that it's accelerated that little bit more as well, because there's not a lot else to do in your day 
sometimes when the, when it's pissing it down around or you don't want to go out than be on social media. What I want to kind of get into to kick start us off is looking at, I'll picture the scenario, you get out of bed in the morning, you look out the window, it's dull as dishwater outside, it's raining, you know you're not going to go out because it's freezing cold. Social media can have a domination on my day sometimes because I'll lie in bed, I'll flick through my phone, I've I've read through everything that there is on the Ashmore Park group, everybody's slagging each other off on there, then I'll flick to Twitter and I'll read down there and I'll read about the Wolves and I'll read about wrestling and then I'll get onto Instagram and see everything else. And before I know it, an hour's gone by and I already feel like at this point, Christ, that's an hour wasted and then I feel guilty about it. Do you guys ever find that you can get in a rut time-wise or that it has an impact actually on your domination of your day and, and what you should be doing in your day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like very often, same as what you just said, I'll, I'll wake up and the, the very first thing I'll do, <clears throat> obviously I'll shut my alarm off on my phone. Then rather than just put the phone back on the windowsill and start the day, I'll just, I'll keep the phone in my hand and then I'll just start scrolling, whether that be, it could be it could be a news app, but mainly, like you say, just be right. Just go straight onto Twitter and let, and then start the scrolling begins. Or I don't know, you, you, when you take you take the phone to the toilet and when you're having to sit down, you'll <laughs> flick through your phone on there. It's like one day equivalent of taking the paper, isn't it? But that's where it starts. When we started straight away on your day, you woke up and already you are committing all all your time straight away um, to your social media seeing what's gone on like I don't know throughout the, throughout the course of the night or whatever and what I find is during the day when I'm working if, I, if my phone's on my desk right next to me even if I'm waiting 10 seconds for like an app or something to load up or a web page to load at work instinctively I'll just even though it's 10 seconds to load up I'll just reach mm. my phone straight mm. away and I'll pick it up and I'll just start scrolling through Twitter and or Instagram again and to, yeah, as Rich said, to a lesser extent, uh, LinkedIn, but um, it's really, and it's ridiculous. And as you've just said, Matt, I'll be I'll scroll through, and then like 10, 15 minutes has gone by, and what I'm waiting for has already loaded up. It's it's now timed out, and I've got to log back <laughs> into it again because I've been sat looking at my phone for ten minutes. Yeah. But you you imagine that repeats itself like multiple times throughout the course of the day, and then you realise, oh shit! Like I've just spent X amount of time just scrolling and like just being addicted to the screen and just I've got to I've got to see what the latest is going on all the time I've got to be always be informed always getting information keep being informed keep being informed and you realize what the job I was supposed to do you know I'm thinking oh, I haven't done it or I'm well behind on it now because you keep you just you, just, you drilled into it you, you've got to keep getting information and it, yeah. it can stem it can stem into the evening as well like say what like say for me once the, like the kids have gone to bed um I'll just sit there and while we're clearing away something, I might just sit and look at my phone and uh, the wife might say, well, should we put something on the telly? We should watch something. And I'll be like, yeah, in a sec. And I'm just looking at my phone. And then in a sec becomes half an hour, 45 mm. minutes until you, you've you physically got to like, just put, put it off, put it on mute, put the phone away, put it down, put it on mute or something, or just don't look at it because otherwise, like you say, you can just literally dominate in all your, all hours of the day. Yeah. I mean, I, I... I suppose we should preface this really by saying this isn't a uh, a plea to people to stop using social media at all. I fucking love I love Twitter and I love like I love using those platforms. I really do because that's where they get the majority of my news from, rightly or wrongly. I don't watch the news, 
the world exists according to what happens on Twitter, as far as I'm concerned, because that's where I, that's my outlook. I just think mm. that this, this, this podcast really is about how we identify when it's getting a little much, a little too much for us, because there certainly are pros and cons. And that's probably what we'll finish on at the end of the episode. Rich, I want to ask you, obviously you do a lot with the fancast social media accounts, and then in, you've got to then fuse that into your day-to-day life. Do you ever find that time is escaping you because of your social media usage and, and, and that can then bleed in on your other commitments in your life, like family, friends, work, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, it's it can be even more difficult because I've had roles in business before where I, whilst doing fancast stuff, which is a hobby, and I try relatively hard to not do lots during work hours. Like, might be an occasion on here and there. If Wolves make a signing at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday, you know, if it's just a quick tweet, in and out, I, I, you know, I can, I can live with that and I won't bother reading about other people's opinions. And sometimes I need to marry up, is this, you know, in work time, is this something I want to put out through my account mm-hmm. or through the fan cast? Because for me to almost have two separate but similar thoughts, that's when I lose time. When I combine having to manage professional accounts as well, you find yourself online on social media all day, whether it's on um, laptop or on your phone, but you get the notifications come through. You know, I'm still getting notified. Uh, my uh, my wife, bless her, told me off um, yeah, yesterday. It was a Wolves game, wasn't it? We played yesterday because after the game, my just phone wouldn't stop buzzing. Mm-hmm. And it was a late kickoff. And she's like, you need to t- turn off those Twitter notifications now because it is driving me insane. And, you know, turned them off, had a look the next day and, you know, just scrolling it. It was just people liking it and, you know, met, you know, few threads we got caught up in. So it can be really difficult sometimes to not get caught in it, um, I found. And part of it's just that level of restraint and particularly in an evening. So I, I, I've, my, my uh, kids a lot uh, younger than Adam's. So first thing, I'm very much on her clock. But in an evening, that's when I have two hours where I've not got work. If I've not mm. got a podcast, you know, I've got this time to myself now. And then the amount of times I'll go, well, you know what, I'll, you know, I'll just stick on some Netflix or something and relax and realise it's just wallpaper. And I've just been scrolling on my phone <laughs> and you go, what have I done with that time? I've got a list of jobs that I sh- could and should be doing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, even worse, you know, play a video game. That's when I found it. That's when it's been really bad for me is when I'll have played a video game, get heart- part way through it, see my phone buzz, say, oh, that's, that's, or reply to that, or I can do something with that. And then all of a sudden it's been 20 minutes and the game's been on pause for 20 minutes. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it's not to say it's not a valuable use of your time because it's really, you know, it can be really fun. It's, it's a release, but at the same time, you do sort of question where, where that time goes a lot of the, um, a lot of the time, yeah. but being yeah, able not. to sort of compartmentalize it, it's tough. I think I was, um, I was listening to um, the mental health podcast um, earlier in the week. And I think they had mentioned uh, the comedian, James Acaster. Mm-hmm. And he said he he himself has took himself off Twitter because of the the effect it was having on him, 
And he said he, he, the reason why he just thought to himself, and he said he doesn't want to get onto his deathbed and think, I wish I hadn't spent so much time on Twitter. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. and it's 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 true because I mean, as Rich said, you get those notifications, see how long you've been on your phone, and I think it, it taps into your the addictiveness, potential addictiveness of it with with some people, and, and the ease of which you can get it. So, yeah, you've had a very rough day or a busy day, and sometimes you think I'm just going to do the easiest thing I can do now. And that's just getting the phone up and just going through, mm. going through social media. Rich, I want to ask you: Do you think that? I mean, everybody has their own responsibility on social media for themselves, so the accounts that they follow and, and things like that. But do you think there's certain elements of social media that that just generally have a disadvantage for people? Let's so let's say that you, you know you're an alcoholic or, or something like that, or you're a gambling addict, and then you're seeing celebrities um that are having great nights and they're having parties and they're having this and they're having they're sleeping with the most gorgeous people in the world and they're doing this and they're doing that and then you're battling your own demons with, with, with let's let's just see alcohol as the example do you think social media is the right thing for people to be using in those scenarios and, and, and if and if it isn't you know how do we how do we how do we counterbalance that and not feel like we're hermits from the world because I think at the minute, especially with lockdown, if you're not on social media, you feel even more isolated than we already are. I think the one for me, and I, I, I'm not a gambler, but it's when you see people posting betting slips mm. after they've won, because that that is such dangerous ground. And, you know, it, it, it's the accounts like um, footy accumulators, ones like that, where they're, you know, part of it is, you know, they're showing positivity. People are, gambling and winning money but you're telling me no one's ever had a thought where they've gone that could have been me that week you know i thought i thought chelsea were going to win and yeah, get a yeah. score two goals maybe if i do it next week because all they've all they've done is better tenor oh well hang on I'd, I'd better tenor to win 250 quid wouldn't you hmm. and that that and you know there's probably been a couple of times where let's say i'm not a big gambler i reckon the most expensive bet i've ever put on is five or ten pounds and i don't do it regularly um at Pirella. all yeah exactly <laughs> i know I'm, I'm expecting to make millions off you know <laughs> pennies but that's when you sort of flush money down the drain so i you know i don't use it i realized i wasn't even using them enough anyway but that five quid every six to eight weeks or so it kind of quietly adds up so i've ended up just deleting lab books off my phone and yeah, yeah. but should should people be responsible for it? I, I think Not there's an element. Sure. I think there's an element of 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 self control, and I think there's an element of responsibility from social media for that example. So I follow a couple of like tipsters on. Yeah, so do on, I, on, on and it's Twitter mental because and... I don't bet. It's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's something that's within your control. Your followers list is within your control. Yeah, and I guess what I'm trying to get at with this is. Um, if you are finding, if you get those feelings of guilt towards a product or a service or something like that, you have the capacity to remove yourself from that situation. If, I guess the hardest part is actually identifying that guilt about it. So I've been in a position where I've been following a tipster and we've done like a 10 to 10K bet, mm. like chain. Mm. And I found myself, I've been betting three, three THR, figures on a bet 
and then I've stepped back and I've set the I've pressed that center and I've, I thought what on in this sweet mother of mercy am I doing betting a, like mm. over a hundred pound on a single bet when that hundred pound I know because I'm frugal because it's an attractive quality in men I'll have you know I'll, I'll do I'll do a lot more with that money than, than gambling do you know what I mean um I've done exactly the same thing you know I mean I I'm nowhere near as bad as 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 what I used to be on but I've I recognized that I was being a bit silly at one point mm. I think about five years ago I followed exactly all these sort of online tipsters accounts on on Twitter, I'd turn the notifications on. Yeah, so as yeah, soon yeah. as they'd, they'd have the next bet ready, it'd ping up and I'd be right, bang right on it. I just, I just dawned on me, you know, one day that I was sitting at my desk at work, um, putting the bet on in play and I think on something like the Slovakian second league <laughs> or third league or something for a first half goal in the game. Yeah. yeah. And he, he, he even had the live bet three, six, five fit feed this game did. And they were, but they're basically playing in a field somewhere in Slovakia and it didn't come in. And obviously I'm really pissed off. And I think it's one of these challenges and you start off with like 25 quid or something to start the, the challenge off. And I just thought, what am I? What am I? What am I doing here? What mm. you know? And I'm not. I'm not going to say that like you know it's all squeaky clean from there on in because I'd, I'd unfollow a load of these tips on Twitter and then in about three or four months later I'd find myself following a yeah, couple yeah. more again. Yeah. And then and I'll be that. back on it. And like you, Matt, you know, I've tried these you know twenty five to ten thousand challenges. You get two hundred fifty quid in or three hundred quid in and. You're betting 300 quid on like you know two first half goals or something like that, and you just your emotions go sky high. I don't think you probably might have been the same as me. You know, you you put that money on, you put all that money on, and suddenly just nothing, nothing else in the world is happening. Oh, it's yeah, just yeah. you, it's just you and that that, that game, isn't it? And mm-hmm. you're shaking, you've everything's going off because you're thinking this has got to come in because I've I've saw what it can return the money and you just fixated on it aren't you and mm, absolutely it is it's very very dangerous it is and I think I mean we'll get onto this in in kind of the second half really the feeling of being part of a community on social media can be as much of a dangerous thing as it can be a positive i.e. kind of likes and retweet culture but then actually what impact that has on us I'm gonna um we're gonna have a little break um after we have had the interview with Harry Burgoyne. So Harry has been really kind and come on the show to talk us through his experience as a professional sportsman, but in his personal life, his use of social media, and then the impact of um, like trolling and negativity on social media as well in his professional life and in his personal life, and what impact that has had on his mental health. And then we'll take a break and we'll come back. Hi, so I'm with... Former Wolves shot stopper, now Shrewsbury Town and fancast favourite, Harry Burgoyne. Harry, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Evening. Happy New Year. Hope everyone's doing well. Happy New Year to you, bud. Um, under lockdown 3.0. So it seems like a good <laughs> a good a time as any to talk about mental health and really appreciate you coming on to have the conversation with us. Um, the first thing I kind of want to ask, really, um, because mental health means different things to different people. In general, what does mental health mean for you when you hear the words mental health? What are the first things that come to mind? Um, like probably somebody struggling where nobody else knows that they're struggling mm-hmm. mentally. Um, and I think usually 
I think it takes it takes quite a while for for that person who's suffering from mental health to come out even to the closest loved ones. So yeah. Yeah. I think basically it's all about trying to raise awareness of it and making making people sort of speak out on it before it becomes a bigger problem, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the and that's what this 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 podcast's about really is we want to try and open up people to having those kind of conversations a little easier because we're all guilty of of holding back and an element of I suppose feeling prideful and not wanting to talk about mental health, I guess. Definitely yeah, I've 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 I'm definitely kind of in that category of like kind of watching the TV and seeing people talk about it. And then I, I, I personally think that you're like, oh, that, that you kind of think to yourself, oh, that, that's not me. I've never, I don't struggle like that. But then I think deep down, I think, I think it's safe to say that everyone's kind of struggled with their mental health at some stage in their life, mm-hmm. um, which is why it's such a massive thing and, and why it needs to kind of get put out there a bit more than it does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, you're going to be around in dressing rooms, adrenaline, adrenaline charged dressing rooms and around like a lot of different characters in your playing career so far. Has there been a a change in culture at all in terms of people are now starting to open up about their mental health or within the sport? Is it still not a stigma, but is it still something that really doesn't get talked about for fear of kind of being the odd one out or anything like that? I, I definitely uh, think that it's getting a lot better in football. Um, yeah, I think a lot, a lot more people are talking about it, but it's still way off where it needs to be. So mm-hmm. I think there's still, I think there's still a, a vast majority of of players, staff, referees, whatever you want to say, is. Uh, I think there's still a lot of of people that don't want to speak about it or don't they haven't even realised that they're suffering. I think yeah. that's that's a big one where they don't really understand it and they don't know that they're they're actually struggling. So yeah, I, I think I think there's still a long way to go in terms of um, sort of getting everybody speaking about it, but there, there definitely has been progress over the last few years, I think. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine, I mean, education within the game for a, a number of things you hear about all the time, um, about, you, you know, um, about social media, which, which we'll get onto a little bit more and about how people should conduct themselves in social media. But when it comes to mental health, I guess, I guess in your line of work, it's all about the physical, being in fit, physical peak. And I guess mental health sometimes maybe doesn't get talked about as much. Definitely. Yeah, because I think, I think obviously the be all and end all in football is you, you don't want to show teammates or opposition any sign of weakness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's the, kind of the only thing probably along with like kind of self-embarrassment why it doesn't get spoken about more but I think I personally think there's a high percentage now in football where if somebody was to go and speak about their mental health there's going to be a, a very small minority that go like kind of take the mickey or whatever yeah. I think when we're now at a place in the professional game where people understand it However, I think from the outside world, I think there's a long way to go. So I think mm-hmm. if a player comes out in our dressing room and they've got, had a, I know they've, they've, they've had a problem or whatever, I think it's quite easy for them to talk about it amongst ourselves kind of thing. But then mm-hmm. kind of 
I think when it goes out, say if it went out on Twitter, I think obviously the outside world just they they can't see the bigger picture and they won't they won't have any sympathy or anything. They'll just kind of throw abuse or even like newspapers. They'll they'll find like ways to kind of make money through a headline yeah, and yeah. make it ne- negative. And I, yeah. I think obviously at the higher level as well in the Premier League where kind of, especially the young English boys, they're put on a pedestal straight away before yeah. they're old enough to understand about any of these things. So I feel I feel that like maybe a bit more education needs to be done, um, not, not just kind of in football, but in like schools and stuff. Yeah, so that yeah. when when we do grow up, like people don't go onto Twitter and kind of abuse someone just because they're struggling mentally. I think it's, especially like in these lockdowns now, I think it's going to be tough for a lot of people, but they, they just need to kind of hang in there and speak to their loved ones. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, kind of like trolling and, and abuse, especially by kind of nameless, faceless people, is it's, it's it's so easy to do really I could, I could create a twitter account right now and give you dogs abuse if i wanted to and yeah, there'd be exactly. no repercussions of it but we'll get we'll get onto that in a bit yeah. i mean in your playing career now obviously you, you're already doing us a massive favor by coming on 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 the show in the first place so give us as much or as little as detail as you want has yeah. there been a time in your playing career where you felt that your mental health has suffered either through injury or through a run of results where you've identified that actually something isn't right there and, and you might have had to take action. Yeah, so the first, and this is this is a true story, the first time I ever kind of thought, hang on, something's not quite right here, like with my, not my attitude, but like I've always been that positive person mm-hmm. and I felt the first time was we was away, I, I signed on loan for Plymouth for the season and uh, we went away on a pre-season tour in Holland and uh, I was kind of I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have even said I was struggling but I just kind of we, it was night time and we had like a massive like uh, field out the back of our hotel room door and I just went out the back there and phoned uh, my fiance now and I was just kind of like saying how I, I wasn't enjoying it and mm-hmm. like for, for me to say that I wasn't enjoying my football was like kind of that's the first time I've ever like, yeah, had yeah, to yeah. say that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I kind of said, yeah, I'm not enjoying this at all. Like, I don't, I don't really, I don't really like it, if that makes sense. And then, uh, kind of, the next morning, this is no word of a lie, I broke my ankle. Okay. So like a double, a double whammy. Yeah, but then I, I kind of, I kind of look at it as if to say that's happened for a reason. That. Has, mm. And uh, obviously, my missus still remembers like the phone call we had the night before. Um, and then you kind of just think, yeah, like things happen like, happen in life for a reason, and I'm a big believer of that. And uh, it's just where that time time like it was it was tough, you know, like mentally tough to sort of go from kind of trying to get on with it and just kind of keep going and keep plugging away to breaking your ankle and then kind of happened so funny story like now now I look at it I kind of got a taxi to the airport I had no member of staff with me in terms of a physio because to be fair they were light on physios uh, mm-hmm. out out there and they had to stay at the hotel with the rest of the lads 
And I literally got dropped off by the taxi driver outside Amsterdam <laughs> Airport. And he kind of just says, all right, see you later. And I said, you're not going to help me. Like, I was on crutches. <laughs> I had, like, a big suitcase to carry. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I just just kind of looked at the, the front of the airport and just felt like crying. And uh, I, I, somehow, I somehow got over, like, the busy roads, crossed the roads and stuff. I kind of used my suitcase as, like, a, a trucks and, like, kind of <laughs> hobbled in. And then I got a bit of assistance in the in the airport and stuff but um yeah like as soon as soon as I got back to England really I've kind of took a big deep breath and just I felt really good because I knew that I was going to have all my family around me um uh, obviously knew I had my fiance around me and then yeah I, I kind of just got on with my rehab and that then so I think that was a little bit of a turning point although it wasn't anything like kind of massive where I I like struggled for months or years or whatever mm. but I, like, I struggled for a few days a few weeks but then obviously having your loved ones around you like yeah. you just kind of get out the other end of it but I think like up until that point where I made the phone call to my missus I didn't know mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I was like that I was struggling but as soon as I phoned my missus and started talking you then like start to think, oh, hang on a minute, yeah, I am struggling here a little bit. Oh, 100%, and like, yeah. I don't think you realise until the words come out of your mouth speaking to somebody else. Hundred percent, completely get where you're coming from there. Right, I think you're. It's not like you're kidding yourself, but you just you kind of don't believe yourself because you're kind of trained to be that positive energy, mm-hmm. that positive person. You don't believe it until it's actually come out of your mouth and you hear it yourself. So, yeah, that, that's that's the best advice I can give anyone is just to genuinely like make that phone call like sit down and have that chat just it is the best thing you can do because it's it's yeah you, you kind of admit to yourself that yeah i'm struggling a bit i need a bit of help here yeah i mean there's, there's two things that like come to mind when when you when you retell your story there first of all is for one person you hear like loads of stories about people that are like suicide and everything it's awful absolutely awful but yeah there's there's elements of what you feel like sometimes, even if you can identify what you're going through, you trivialize it yourself. You think, well, I can't be that bad because I'm not at X, Y, Z stage. So I must be all right. I'll just, I won't, I won't do anything exactly, about yeah. it, which is, which is not healthy because what's, what's not bad for, for, for you, it still doesn't mean it's healthy for you to be. And I've put that terribly, but just because you're not at a certain stage doesn't mean you're not feeling bad or, or need support. Yeah. And, and the second thing really is, it's really interesting that like you built yourself up to a point where like you, you had to make that phone call. How long would you say it, you'd been building up? You said it was like weeks and weeks feeling like that, you know, did it, did it like bubble up or, or how did you just get to that final point where you just knew you had to, had to come out with it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange. Like it was, it was a really tough preseason down at Plymouth to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the the running and everything that a goalkeeper doesn't usually do mm-hmm. was quite brutal down there um and i was struggling with my hip anyway okay so i kind of knocked my hip in the off season i don't th- i don't think i did anything but I, it was like really hurting and like i basically just run through it and like every day it was like agony mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but i just kept going and kept going and kept going and i kind of I don't know. Yeah, I like I like to think that it was kind of building up from that stage, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you kind of 
you kind of, I don't know, like maybe have a couple of bad training sessions or whatever, and you just think, oh, you know what, I, I need to kind of have a chat with somebody here. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, that was it. And go, going back to your to your first point there, like, what was you saying on your first point? So it's like, just because you're not at the stage where you might be feeling suicidal or feeling really down, I think a lot of people, I've definitely done it, where I've, where I've trivialised my own feelings. I thought, well, if I'm not feeling as bad as X, Y, Z, I should just man up, terrible thing to think, I should just man up and get on with it. Whereas that's not that's not healthy, that's not... No, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah, you can look at it in mind and, like, think, okay, big well, like, you've only broke your ankle and I, I was only out for six months, but then for me for me to kind of like have been through that it kind of helps me i know it sounds like kind of selfish but it, it helps me because like when when somebody else like i look at someone else that's kind of had the cruciate injury which is like yep. a nine month injury mm-hmm. and then they come they come back from that injury and then they they kind of break their leg or something and you just think like you literally think to yourself you're like oh how are you going to deal with that but like Although I've only been through half of what he's been through, I can still help him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I think that's the big thing, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you kind of letting us in that because, you know, we don't often hear about these kind of interactions with, with, with people in the professional game. And maybe actually if more people are as open as you, that, that gap in between um, Joe Public, uh, the, the, the Twitter troll, and the yeah. people in the professional game wouldn't be as large because people more people are talking about it, perhaps. What, yeah. what I want to get on to is kind of the, the main point of this episode, particularly about social media. Mm-hmm. Um, in your personal life now, are, are you a big social media user? Do you, you know, do you find in your free time, especially now in lockdown, where there's not a lot we can do outside of the house, that you use a lot of social media and do the positives outweigh the negatives for you in terms of mental health? So I, I used to be, a, I used to use Twitter an awful lot more than what I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, I've kind of always been pretty like kind of standard with it, kind yeah. of upload every few weeks or whatever. I'm not like an everyday kind of guy. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest person on it, but I, f- I feel like at the right time, you can use it to your benefit. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to get to the stage where, and I must admit, I think personally a guy doing great stuff for the game at the minute is Ben Foster. I don't know if you've seen his YouTube channel. Yeah, begrudgingly, I know he does a lot of really good stuff in that field. Uh, and not yeah. so much good stuff in, in other parts of his uh, Twitter Twitter life, but no, what kind of stuff yeah, does he but, do that um, you like? So I just feel like he, he kind of shows everybody like the day to day life of, of being a footballer, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of feel that what he's what he's been really good at is he's like there's more to life than than football. So yeah. like he he kind of I think he made a big mistake for a goal against Huddersfield. I think it was a few weeks ago. And the next day he went on a bike ride on the Sunday morning and he just kind of like said, look, like, so what? I made a mistake, like, mm-hmm. get on with it. There's like life, there's a bigger picture in life. Like mm-hmm. uh, football's only a game at the end of the day. Um, I know for like a lot of us, it is it is our life football, but at the end of the day, your life is bigger than mm-hmm. football mm-hmm. itself. So 
So yeah, I feel like he's do he is doing a good thing at the minute. I'm not sure. I haven't seen his Twitter account really, so I couldn't I couldn't like. Uh, I think I mean more more when he's just goading goading us anytime we have a bad result <laughs> more yeah. than anything. But horses yeah. for courses, really. Yeah. Has there ever been a time in your life when kind of outside of the game and your um, any interactions that you have with kind of fans of either the team you play for or rival teams where you've thought to yourself where social media might be coming a negative for you or having a negative impact on your kind of mental health at all? Um, I, I must admit, I would, ne- I would never say that I, I let, let um, negative things affect me. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had, to be fair, good um, advice off our manager at the minute, Steve Cockshaw. He just said, like, um, you were never as bad as you thought you were mm-hmm. and you were never as good as you thought you were. <laughs> so... Like and I think I think that's a great saying to be fair because there's so many times where you think you've had such a terrible game and you kind of watch yourself back and you're like, oh that wasn't actually that bad and then mm. when you've had a you think you've had a worldie and you watch it back and you're like oh it wasn't wasn't that good do you know what I mean <laughs> but then uh, I suppose like we as players we kind of use our common sense as to when to look at Twitter and when not to mm-hmm. yeah but I, I can't. I'll speak for myself, but I think I speak for a lot of people where you just can't help yourself but go and have a look. Oh, of course, yeah, absolutely. Because at the end, at the end of the day, it's it's my account. I've made my account. Like, why should I not be able to look at my own account? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, you look you look at some of the things people say, and some things you laugh at, some things you kind of you want to nibble at, and you want to write something back, and then mm-hmm. other things you kind of make you think a bit more deeper, and it's like those things genuinely need to stop yeah and like i think we're we're way off kind of getting them to stop but um yeah i mean some some of the things that you see like i think it was charlie daniels put up the other day um like someone was battering stanislas and stanislas had scored the winning goal against someone i can't think who, who i think it might be in swansea and um literally the racial abuse he was getting off um, other fans. And I was like, like, how, how can you as a human say something like that to another human being? It's just, it's just crazy. And like the, the username was obviously, he was obviously like on a fake account or whatever. And you know, he's never going to get, never going to get caught out for it. And it's just like, how much of a coward actually are you? You, you're saying it, it's just it beggars belief what why it even comes into your head to say it like the guy's just scored the winning goal great result for him like even if you're a fan of the opposition like you've just got a you've just got to hold your hands up and say yeah they've won like end of the day it's a yeah, game yeah. of football but like you just kind of and you, you kind of have a personal dig and you bring someone's family into it and it's like well hang on a minute all he's doing is going out there giving his best for his football club and doing his best for himself to provide for his family. Absolutely. Like, you, don't, you don't know what, like, whether he's going to go back home, whether he's struggling himself at that time. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel why people think they have the right to say something. And and this is my major my major thing with a, a platform like Twitter. Now, Twitter's my favourite of the social medias purely because it's where I get the vast majority of my news, if I'm perfectly honest. I don't, I don't yeah. watch the news that often, or the news doesn't cater to my very niche hobbies of of football pro wrestling and films so it's like you know that's what i use but it's so easy 
to be a troll if you wanted to be. And I don't think people understand the impact of giving somebody abuse on a platform like that without understanding what that can do to to a person. Um, you know, it, it's a bit, and I'm guessing in your scenario or in the professional game, that's heightened tenfold because of, of the position that you're in and everything that you do is scrutinized to a certain level. And I think, I don't think we as the, as, as a society or anything like that quite kind of has a grasp on the consequences of what we do on social media, if, if that makes sense. Um, no, yeah. And in terms of, what you can do, I mean, what's the, what, what's the biggest thing that you can do if you are getting down on mental health? I mean, is, switch, is just switching off the platform enough for you? Or do you find that it can kind of leak into your, your normal life because people are giving, you know, or trolling on the internet? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I've mean, i had... My debut for Shrewsbury was a shocker. Like, played against Middlesbrough. Um, I was at fault for a couple of goals. Like, I hold my hands up and admit that. Um yeah. And like it's it's a long old bus journey back from Middlesbrough. Yeah, so I can imagine. Yeah, you've got like four and a half hours on a coach where you, you tell yourself not to look at Twitter, but you just do. Yep. And uh, obviously, I was getting absolute pelters on there, but no one no one knows what what I might have gone through earlier on in that week. Mm-hmm. Like I I hadn't gone through anything earlier on in that week. I perfectly perfectly prepared for the game but I just it happened that I had a bad one mm-hmm. um and like people kind of knock knock like knock you as a goalkeeper and you're kind of thinking to yourself like how can you knock me as a keeper when you've just seen me in one game there and it happened to be a bad one yeah, yeah. Or, already like I'm shit <laughs> your, cards, I mean? your, card, your cards marked to some people that that point yeah so um but then I I don't I try not to let it sort of creep into creep into like home life, but then you kind of get in misses or just be like, what like come on, what's up like? And then mm. you just kind of say, Oh yeah, I've read this on Twitter and you and you just get people to tell you like to ignore people, they don't know you, they don't know like what a good person you are, like there's more to to life on the pitch and stuff and people like people don't see like the charity work that you do and all the good things you do and they're all that gets seen is a negative thing and like you kind of blow it out of proportion and and it's like like for me it might be one person that says something bad on twitter but i can imagine like if you're marcus rashford Mm -hmm. and like all the good that he's doing at the minute yeah I, i watched a documentary the other night and uh he's kind of um put on the put on the uh, petition to sign and like you got people absolutely slating him and you're like mm-hmm. hang on a minute like the guys the guys like the probably one of the busiest guys yeah you can think of yeah he's still finding time to to go and like feed all the children and he, he, he won't stop until he's fed all like the children in the country really mm-hmm. and you get people saying him and you're just like well, like what are you doing? It's it's so frustrating, but it just I suppose I suppose the only way we can go about it is is like getting it early and just educating people in school, and I think that's the only thing that we can do really. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think I think you know we're going to be having um, an interview with one of the um, 
the director of planning from Twitter on this episode as well. So just talk about kind of some of the tools that you can actually use if, if your mental health is being um, negatively affected by social media platforms as well. So I think that'll be really useful, but it's interesting to hear it from the, from the other side, because, you know, I, I very purposely don't follow a lot of people and by no, by no ambition of my own, I don't have a lot of followers either. So I don't have that much interaction to be honest with people. Um, So I don't, but you know, I've had people like on, on episodes of the fan cast that I've been on who've criticised what I've said on online. And like, you know, it's not even, you know, I take that really to heart and, and yeah. I find it because it's something that I've got a passion for. Um, you, you don't want your something that you put your physical body and your mental work into to be criticised. And I think when, when, when people who wouldn't say it to your face if they're in front of you and no, giving exactly. your dogs abuse. It, it does have an effect on you. And I, I think we have a, we have a, we have to answer or we have to ask ourselves questions sometimes. Is, is it worth it? Is it worth this playing with your mind for the sake of social media? But I guess that's, um that's something that each individual will, will, will have themselves, I guess. I think the only other thing about social um, media and mental health for me is purely a, uh, like an overexposure to uh social media is in like always being on twitter always being on facebook always being on i was about to say myspace and i think like I don't, do you even remember myspace i think you're probably too young for myspace aren't you I, um, yeah I, I i remember it but i never had it <laughs> so oh, so you never had to go through the pain of picking your top eight and then like your friends being annoyed with you because you like they were yeah. their number one idea um and i, th- <laughs> I, I think i think like you said i think with more like education about um understanding the effects of like these platforms i think it can be a bit more harmonious for people and a lot of a lot of like apps and that now will, will like, give you the amount of time you're spending on it and you're spending too much yeah. time on it and stuff like that but um listen i really really appreciate you coming on it, you know nobody um it's not that often that people will come out and actually just talk frankly and openly about a themselves and b their mental health within the game so it's really really um really really appreciated you coming on is this your hat trick appearance on the fan cast? Have I made that up? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'd have to get your fan cast ball one. sent over. We'd have to get one. Get it in for <laughs> so, no, Really appreciate you, mate. Um, this will go out um, soon, and um, hopefully, people will have um, you know a positive impact on it. So, thank you very much for your time. No problem, mate. No problem. Anytime. Hi, Richard here. Before you go back to hearing us dissect the latest Wolves news, some really shoehorn Simpsons references, a bit of 90s film action, of course, a bit of wrestling, um, I just want to do a quick shout out for our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Now, they've done a fantastic job on the Wolves Fancast website, wolvesfancast.com, please go check it out. But they're not just web designers, they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. There's basically nothing they can't do marketing-wise, so make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com and I'll let you get back to enjoying the show. Harry Burgoyne, really in-depth look there into his personal and professional lives. So we really appreciate having him on for his hat-trick appearance on the uh, on the fancast as well. So we'll have to get him a match ball, as we'd mentioned. What I want to get into then, guys, something that I know is going to be very, very um, much in the news at the moment within the Wolves community, depending on which accounts you follow. 
um, and something that I think we all experience when we use a platform like Twitter would be conflict and, and trolling, basically. I'm not going to get into names and specifics of anyone's accounts and give anybody the satisfaction that may be a troll or anything like that. However, when I'm on Twitter, that's probably the only site where I'm interacting with strangers. Facebook, if I'm in a group about a certain hobby that I'm into, it's a little different. There's a there's an anxiety and there's a fear there about what you put on a platform like that because of a nameless, faceless person that will come back to you and rip apart what you're saying. And I don't understand that. I don't understand why I feel anxious about voicing things on Twitter and the fear of what someone who I don't know is going to come back with. Does anybody else have that? Does anybody else have that worry that just even voicing something as simple as really looking forward to the game today, hashtag WWFC, you're going to get abuse from somebody. Am I the only one who thinks that? Yeah, I, I have sort of held back to a degree in terms of posting stuff that I feel could gain a reaction because mm-hmm. what it, it's just going to waste my time going forward. Mm. The nature of Twitter itself is that anything you put on there, it's just, it's just open to everyone, isn't mm-hmm. it? As you say, you're just exposing... Essentially, you're exposing yourself to not literally, of course, but exposing yourself to like <laughs> you could every, if you wanted to, yeah. When it comes to my, my personal comments, I'm, I guess I've not I've not had too many negative comments really, to be honest. From anything I've tweeted online, um, I just yeah, I just I, which is good because to be honest, I don't handle them very well, which is probably why I tend to play play it safe on Twitter. You know, mm. I, I don't really post anything which I think will cause me a lot of stress because I do get easily stressed as well as you know we mentioned on the previous uh, time to talk podcast so I do tend to try and steer clear of anything where I know that I'll you know, gauge too much too much of a reaction you know you could take that on a couple of two ways you could be like I'm either sitting on the fence or I'm not saying much of an opinion but for me it's more about how much mental energy am I going to have to expend on just a, a tweet? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. So un, un Twitter related, I'll be playing FIFA, for example, and I'll someone will send me abuse after a game. Okay, fine. Like what ha- what I then find though is I, I identify that it's not healthy when like I've replied to it and I thought, oh why why not? I'll reply to it and that and that. And then I'm then anxious then about getting a response. I'm like, I'm look. I keep looking back on my phone. I've had a response from this person. I've had a response to this person. I'm not going as extreme to say it's like fight, like flight or fight or anything, but it gets to the point where that that conflict then becomes a bit um, a bit overwhelming, I'd say. And then I've had the same on Twitter as well. If I've had a, a disagreement with somebody over um, over an opinion, there's a guy who's recently followed me that um, you know I have a really like small amount of followers and, and I follow in comparison to other people because um for, well, for this reason really I, I got into a not I wouldn't say a to do but we were we were like going backwards and forwards and disagreeing with each other and I just found that like I couldn't stop myself keep checking what the to see if I've had another message about it and it felt really weird because it was almost as if I was like well if I don't reply straight away I'm going to lose this argument and if, if I yeah. don't if I don't come back on it straight away I'm going to look like the dickhead on the internet when in reality, like, does it matter? Does anybody care? Like, I I shouldn't care. This other person probably doesn't care. But are we trying to save face for the internet as if it's like a sentient mm-hmm. being or something? It's 
Yeah, I was going to say the the issue is it's like there is no end goal. There's there's no mm. end result. Is it? I've had, I say I've had this before. It's like if someone cuts you up um, at a junction mm. and you swear at them, and I've done it before. And it happened to a, um, a friend of mine who similar thing happened. He gave him dogs abuse. They pulled up at a traffic light and he got out of his car. Mm. And the bloke and sort of started walking towards him. And he was like sort of slamming on his car and stuff like that. And he went, what do you hope to gain from this? What What's going to happen here? Mm. Do, do we, you know, do we do, we do pistols at dawn? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, it's the same with a Twitter argument or Facebook argument or whatever. So you're never going to win. That per so, you know, take Sil- Fabio Silva's a great example at the moment, let's say, or you know, half a, half of a Wolves team. Uh, I, I, my my opinion to Silva's might be different to Adams. If me and him have a back and forth on it, I, I, as you know, strong as an argue I think I could be, I don't think Adams going to turn around and go, yeah, you know what, Rich, I think you're right. There's mm. good to have this chat. Because because you, you're either going to be fiercely defensive about it, or the argument's not really worth anyone's time. You know, it's the same with politics as well online, and you know that that's probably a whole other kettle of fish in terms of how it's how it's handled. And this leads me on to kind of the culture that we have about likes and and retweets, really, and the effect that has on us. So I find that that. I post a picture on Instagram or I post a tweet or I post something on Facebook and we get very addicted very quickly to that really quick um, hit of um, achievement or success or gratification of getting a retweet or a like Add in your personal life in terms of like Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. Have you ever encountered uh, a scenario where you've looked at and thought to yourself, I've got to get this on here. I've got to be as good as anybody else that has their their fantastic days with their kids or their fantastic meals that they're having or their holidays. And I've got to get loads of retweets in to stay relevant or to stay um, to stay in vogue with my friends. And I don't want to appear boring and I don't want to appear like I'm like a hermit or anything like that at all. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, one of the probably one of the main reasons to come off Facebook because. I'm just getting annoyed by people just constantly posting the, the, the thought, a thought will pop into the head and straight away they'll put it onto Facebook straight away mm-hmm. for for likes or, I mean, obviously Facebook doesn't have retweets, but, you know, likes, comments. And then I started seeing that again now on Twitter. So the reason why I was getting annoyed on Facebook, I started seeing that on, on Twitter as well. And, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go through quite a, a long stretch really with not not tweeting anything mm-hmm. but then sometimes you feel as if you need that you have to tweet you know um one thing i've mentioned to us before you know sometimes you feel you have to put a photo out there or have you ever really done it at all because that seems mm. to be that seems to be the way isn't it you have to tweet a photo out to the masses to show that you've done something because otherwise people might not even believe that you've done it it doesn't exi- it doesn't exist if it's not on insta kind of thing exa- exactly and i think people People seem to post stuff online because they want that uh, that endorphin of like the likes and mm. and, the, and the retweets. They want they want to do stuff that will get them all the likes and retweets. I mean, the three of us now we 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 know countless people on on Twitter. We you, you look at stuff, 
they'll post something really mundane or obvious and like they'll just clock up uh, likes and retweets. And I look at it and sometimes I think, is that is that what people are trying to achieve like these days? Is that what we're doing? We're just trying to get likes and retweets. But it, like I say, for some people, it is that endorphin. It gives them that good feeling. You know, maybe two mm-hmm. days after they post it, they're still getting likes about it. It's making them feel good. I, um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, that, for me, sometimes that one of the reasons what another reason what what sort of gets onto my mental health is if i've posted something on facebook and back in the day or let's say i tweet something and someone i know has put something similar and then that person you know has got like 10 more likes than me or 10 more comments than me i think well why 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 am i getting less likes or less comments or less retweets or whatever than that mm-hmm. person we, we, put exact, we put exactly the same thing why is what's it about me and like you sit and look at your well, I would I would like look at that tweet or look at that Facebook post and suddenly just my brain goes into overdrive and that's when like my sort of bad mental health kicks in I'm thinking well what is it what is it that I've said or not said do people not like me do people value someone else's opinion more than mm. me is my opinion not worth anything and that spirals and, and kicks off kicks off yeah. then um so that's that's a bad trait that you know, something that I have when it, you know, when it comes to, to social media. And that probably probably one of the reasons why I come off Facebook because I wanted to get away from myself from that. I felt I recognise that as a bad trait, but you know, sometimes that, that does creep in again with with Twitter. Um it's not a good trait to have though, I'm you know, I have have to say. Yeah. Um so I'm not gonna sit here and say that you know, you know I've I've recognised it and it's gone away. I've recognised it, it's still there, but you have to something that you know really I'm, I'm working on at, at the moment but to, to the wrong you know to, to the wrong people with like that wrong trait of mental health you know that that craving of likes and, and retweets can be quite a dangerous thing i think that we have a tendency to um treat likes retweets shares as a currency or as a currency of success yeah so are you successful because you have a lot of interaction on social media Okay, so if that's your if that's your thinking, then by not having that in by not having that success, are you then a failure? Which I think is one of the difficulties um, about, about, that some people have on the platform. There's there's a huge amount of um, pressure on on women, especially around body image, when it comes to social media. You know, you follow all these amazing accounts of like of people that are, that are gorgeous and they wake up and they look incredible and. And I follow like it's even friends of mine that are like, you know, that are in the peak of physical fitness. And then I look down at myself as I've finished that second bag of pickled onion monster munch. And I just think to myself, like, (laughs) I can't compete with like the image that people have on the Internet. And that's fine, but it doesn't feel fine at the time. It make it, it feels downhearted and, and it makes me feel sometimes that, well, what's the point of, of trying to achieve anything? Because it's never going to be as good as the rest of the, the what the rest of the world has um, and what the rest of the world can do. And and I and I'll never and I'll never achieve what these people are achieving. And I think that's the danger with like body image and, and success and and that on the internet is that we need to realize that, you know. That one photo of somebody looking incredible isn't the be all and end all of uh, of life, and I think we have to identify when it's time to take a break from from that. Rich, what what are your thoughts on that? The pressures of like body image and success, and how that can have an impact on your mental health when you're seeing 
people that like you look up to and, and role models or even friends of yours je- you know jealousy can kick in and, and, and all and like these negative things in your life how, how does that impact you yeah so i think um I, I was scribbling some sort of notes on my phone while you spoke because i think it was very enlightening and i think big, big phrase that stands out for me is perception is reality mm-hmm. um and i'd sort of learned it kind of in sales and i think it very much applies in the world of social media that you know if people believe you are good at your job or your you know or the company is successful you will it will be a success so looping back to the likes first and foremost i guess from that is you know the more likes you get the more popular you are Mm -hmm. but those people who are liking it you know if you get so linkedin let's say on on a success point of view if you know you're averaging let's say 50 likes but 30 of them are the same people who liked your last post to the post before mm-hmm. and they're essentially they're, they're almost liking the person not the post mm-hmm. um is, is the easiest way i can describe it not that if you don't get likes you're not likable but you know there's there's a generation um, for want of a better term, of users who, if they see somebody they know posting, they will like it regardless of the content. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you can see it as clear as day. And, you know, it's there's something quite uh, rewarding for it. Um, but it, it it's really difficult. And I think in terms of sort of things like body image and success, it's very easy to kind of see a photo and go, oh, crikey. You know, well, well, they're the same age as me. They're, they're doing that with their life. Um, and you sometimes just have to take stock of it and go, well, what do I have? And I go, got, you know, wife, kid, house, job. And, you know, people do, people seem to be very savvy at manipulating things to make it seem better than it is sometimes Mm -hmm. i guess and not even better that it appears as though that perception kind of creeps back and you know that 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 does kind of stem a bit from a like culture um you know it's a really weird not weird one i guess but um my wife has set up a private instagram account for photos of our daughter so it probably when it's got 14 followers which I could name you because they're our family yeah. and a few of our close friends. It's literally just a photo, a digital photo album is how uh, we look at it. So when my wife posts a photo, her best friend will like it through a personal account, then switch to her brownie making business to like it on there. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went, okay, but Why? Why? <laughs> because yeah. that, genuinely, it's you know that that account isn't there for you know, gratification or anything like that. Yeah, it, it's not there for gratification. You know, don't get me wrong; it's a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. You know, when a family friend says, "Oh, what a lovely photo," mm-hmm. but it's not about gaining more followers. It's just about sharing photos of you know the mm-hmm. daughter we love with the family that love her, uh, who don't get to see her all too often at the moment. But she sees it as well. Actually, that's more likes for you. Mm. And that's great. And it, 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 it's really odd when I, you know, when you sort of say it out loud and she's not doing it in a, you know, there's no maliciousness to it. And all she's wanting to do is sort of, you know, show as much sort of like and affection as she can. 
but it, it, it it's a weird stepping stone i guess i understand where you're coming from i mean uh, it's going back to the point and, and how it affects mental health around use, using that as I think it's a very thin line between just having a bit of fun on social media and then actually using the validation of people agreeing with your opinion as like, like, like I mentioned it before, a currency and, and actually making you feel good like there's nothing wrong with we've with, had with, with, with social media and having interactions with people and, and it feels great when you're when people are liking what you're saying and it gives you that think of someone values my opinion but I think the danger is when we rely on it too much where we rely on that as actually yeah. the only people really who I should care about my opinion are the people I respect and my family and my friends and the people that are close to me and people that I want to impress or anything like that Ad, I would give you the final word on this before we kind of move on to identifying when we kind of need to take a break and then we're going to go and, and have a listen to the interview with David Walden. When when do you know your time on social media, you need a break when it's getting to the point where it's having a negative effect now on your mental health? So it, give us an idea of when you've, had a feeling of either anxiety or or, or or you're just fed up with it and help me identify from my own personal view and for the people listening like a tr- like a trigger almost of when of when like enough's enough with social media for you um i think it's kind of when that, <clears throat> i start getting ratty and mm. a bit short um you know i've I just when I get in that when I'm in that mood when I just work it look at my phone or um i'm blocking out everything else and i'm just fixated on keep refreshing the feed or what have you i find when anyone else comes along and tries to talk to me or wants me to do something i can get really short um and get irritated very very easily yeah and that's when that's when i know i think right now i've got to put this phone down for for a bit now i've got to spend time doing something else doing something actually productive rather than just taking the easy option all the time, just to sit and look at the phone. Um, and like I said before, whether that means muting uh, chats and or just, just just putting it down, just mm. literally putting it down, putting it away, or just pretending I've got to put it on charge and leave it in the corner of the room. Because I know that when I get that that irritable feeling, I've, I've been on it. No, much long, much easier, much much longer than than I have or than I need to be, really. And it's not an easy thing, you know. It's 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 not it's it's not something that's quite easy to recognise straight away if you're not if you haven't recognised it already. And even mm-hmm. when you do recognise it, it's it's because it's so easy for the for you for us as humans to do to just sit there and scroll through your phone. It's it's a hard habit to to kind of kick, really, because. I think sometimes a lot of us, we like to take that easy option. And if, you know, if there's, if there's something that we want to do, like a hobby or something that will challenge us or something that will require a bit of effort. uh, So let's let's exercise, going to the gym in normal times or something like that, you know, by and large, I I think we would tend to take the easy option, just sit there and just look at a phone for a bit and get, get into that quagmire of, of social media and all that comes with it. But, for me, yeah, definitely those triggers of being irritable mm. and being short with, with, with family and friends um, and then just not just not having the motivation to do anything else. That's when yeah. I know. I think, okay, I've got to put it down now. 
Yeah. Say, um, before we move on, just a really kind of quick question, I guess, with you. Um, do you use app limits? Because I don't. Just it sounds stupid, but just in case. No, like, I, what, I, what, don't. If, and, I don't. No, I don't. I don't know whether that's something. I know that that would be good for some people. I, you know, it sounds stupid, but occasionally I'm up in the middle of the night with a little one, and you know, I I, I find out loads about America at three in the morning because that that's that you know that I, I followed most of the U.S. election because it was all happening in the middle of the night. Um, but I think, well, hang on, if I was logged out for because I'd I'd, I'd had my usage and it, I don't know, I. I'm just curious because, like I say, I, I don't, and I can kind of justify it through. Well, I've got the Fancast account, or I've got work mm. accounts, so well, I probably shouldn't. I think it's just a, interesting it, if you guys did. It's a, it's a strange one because then I think I, I think I'd have I'd have as I'd have more anxiety around like the fear of what I'm missing in that time, yeah. because I'd be like, oh well, I can't get on now. Oh, somebody might be uh, somebody might be trying to get into or doing this and that. It's ridiculous because like, no, no, it's, it's 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 just mad, really. I think. When it comes to my main kind of source of like knowing when I've when I've had enough and I need to take a break is when I'm I'm physically getting my adrenaline adrenaline up adrenaline up easy for me to say on the back of a argument I'm having with somebody online about something as mundane as pro wrestling or or, or football and I, then I'll take stock and I'll just realise of what a twat I sound like when I'm. I'm there like ignoring what's on the team or, or doing something nice with the, with the wife or something or, or like spending time and, and I'm glued to having an argument with a, somebody on Twitter that doesn't have a profile name, doesn't have a picture, probably just taking the piss out of me and having a laugh with their friends. And I just realised that I'm, I'm an absolute mug here for, for, for buying along into this. There's absolutely no requirement for it. Um, which takes me on nicely really to, to moving on to... David Wilding's interview where he is um, part of Twitter UK and he's kind of responsible for giving um, others information about kind of Twitter and its use. And he has a really, really great interview we're going to listen to now and give us some ideas and tools that we can use to help manage our mental health as well as some accounts that we can follow. So we'll have a listen to that now and then we'll finish up the episode. Hi guys, I'm joined by David Wilding, Wolves fan and planner for Twitter UK. Hi David, how are we doing this evening? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. We just had the FA Cup draw. Um, yes, so we did. I'm very excited about that, I think. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, potential banana skin against uh, Chorley, but you'd Ooh. like to think we'd get through. Even the most pessimistic of Wolves fans would have <laughs> chances against a non-league team, you'd think. Well, except to make mine, I did just text him and said it's possible we could lose to Albion and Chorley in consecutive weekends. Good um, grief. He goes, like, <laughs> but we won't. Don't worry. If there, was, if there was ever a time for a mental health podcast, we know. <laughs> if, if, we, if we lost to both oh. of them. Uh, absolutely. Um, so we've got you on because obviously you're part of um, part of Twitter and part of that social media platform. Just for a bit of context, what is it that you do within the platform, if you don't mind me asking? Right. Yeah, of course. My, my job title is um, Director of Planning. So basically, before I joined Twitter, I was a media planner um, in media agencies. So planning advertising campaigns for lots of different brands. And I did that for about 15 years. And I joined Twitter um, six years ago now. Um, and the role is really just to help people to understand Twitter and get the most out of it. So it's mostly brands and advertisers, you know, like how, how do I use this platform and, and, you know, how do I use it compared to other social media platforms? Because we're all sort of grouped in together. Mm -hmm. 
are some sort of subtle differences, making sure they understand those. But as part of the job, I kind of uh, get to do any other business, is how I yeah. describe it. So talking to Twitter, about, sorry, about Twitter to anybody who's interested in it, so organisations, uh, you know, uh, charities, people, mm -hmm. you can kind of just help them to, to understand what Twitter is. It's not that complicated, but also how to get the best out of it, because uh, I think it's true that Twitter is one of those things where if you follow the right people and have the right experience, it's brilliant. Uh, but it's actually helping people to get there, because a lot of people don't necessarily yeah. want to get there. Um, as quickly as, as they could so it's, it's, it's a bit of that as well so it's a lovely varied job really yeah it sounds it how has lockdown had an influence on that and people are using social media that that much more because there's less to do in other activities has that meant that your job has has, has doubled tripled in workload because everybody wants to know more uh, yes and no. I mean, it's it's got certainly um, much more varied. I think, you mm -hmm. know, like everybody, we went down into lockdown. It absolutely changed how we worked. And we've been here, stuck in our, in our homes since late February. We were very, very early to lockdown. Yeah. We went to uh, Barcelona for the Espanol second leg. <laughs> um, and then I went back into the office on the Monday after. And they were like, oh, we're all going home. And I was oh, like, okay. we're going home. So we were quite early. Um, but in terms of the actual role, yeah, it's, it's much the same. So usage of Twitter is up. Um, quite a lot, obviously, in lockdown, people sort of loose, looking to sort of connect with people and find out what's going mm -hmm. on. Whenever there's a lot going on in the world, yeah, people sort of turn to Twitter anyway. Um, but at the same time, you've got to do stuff that obviously you would normally do in a meeting over the over over you know stuff like Zoom like this. But yeah. That's kind of took a bit of getting used to, but it's kind of fine, really. And um, we're fortunate in that Twitter as a product can sort of you know keep going, whereas a lot of things were actually affected quite a lot by the fact mm -hmm. you just access them obviously people can access social media now and of course yeah they are so yeah it's, it's kind of very but compared to some other stuff it's mostly business as usual really okay excellent well what i want to get onto the mental health side of things um as as the person we're here but just to get a tenuous wolves link at best as a sister wolves fan cast just uh what are your thoughts on on the albion game at the weekend do you think is your natural um, tendency, as we all are as Wolves fans, to fear the worst, even though yes. all yes. the signs point to we should be winning? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I hate playing the Albion. Always have. Um, I see very little upside and plenty of downside. <laughs> My least favourite match of the season, um, home and away. I'm not um, from Wolverhampton in the area, so as such, I don't know a lot of baggies and stuff on the personal mm. I know a few of them actually through, mostly through Twitter. And they seem all right individually, but collectively. Uh, but no, I, I kind of I like to get the game out of the way because I think it comes, if I'm honest, with quite a lot of sort of toxicity and, and negativity. Um, and, you know, much as I've just said, well, we could lose to Shorty and Albion in consecutive weekends, I do try and stay sort of positive when it comes to, you know, the Wolves. I think the, the role they play in my life has always just been a wonderful and all consuming distraction. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. So, yeah, you've got to kind of try and keep it at that level. And I've not always found it that easy because there's nothing worse than, you know, the Wolves not turning up and getting turned. Oh, that, absolutely. that happens, which is why I'm naturally pessimistic. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah if, if the worst happens at the weekend, you know, it's not the end of the world. I'll try and keep that in mind, but it will feel like it's certainly yeah. I know what you mean. I do feel with football and me, it really does um, link in with like the extreme ends of my emotions. Like when, when, when we're doing well, it feels like it's the top end of my happiness. But when we do badly, it really feels like it's the worst end of my moods. Yeah. And I think that's what football does to you, isn't it? Yeah, I think particularly in lockdown, I don't know if you found this, but, you know, it's weird because it is so obviously there's stuff going on in the world that's so mm -hmm. big and so heavy. So it shouldn't matter that, you know, Matt Doherty is putting his hands up in the area in the last minute of Burnley. 
but god it felt like it mattered yeah no it does because it's it's while everything's going on it is one of the few constants that we've had um an enjoyment that we get that is unrivaled especially with like the passion that you put into it like you put so much emotion into football i find that anybody that looks out from the outside world that looks in must think you're you're maniacal but it just has that way of grabbing you and 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 because it's a constant you can still enjoy despite the whole world seemingly going in a panic i think that's what it means a lot more yeah agree yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I say, we're, we're here to discuss mental health. One question I've asked all of our guests so far, because it is varied for everybody. Yeah. When I say mental health, what does that physically mean to you? When you, what, what comes to mind when we talk about mental health? I think for me, it's about making sure you're checking in on yourself and put more and more on your mates on a kind of day-to-day basis and asking people how they are and being honest about it. And, mm-hmm. and working at a company like Twitter where we as a company have that conversation quite a lot in terms of our own you know, people's mental health. We have some fairly honest sort of conversations. But also seeing how people use Twitter to be really very honest, I think, with the world about how they're thinking right now. And certainly, I mean, I'm of an age now, I'm in my you know, 40s, where, you know, when I started out in the industry 20 years ago, mental health just wasn't talked about, you know, yeah. thing. it was seen as, you know, if you, if you were talking about mental health, it was in the context of a problem, mm-hmm. you know, He's gone mad. He's lost the plot. That, yeah, that kind of stuff. And it's very yeah, yeah, yeah. taboo. Um, and we talk a lot about how you know, social media um, has really helped to sort of loosen, break down that that taboo uh, when it comes to sort of mental health. So I, I kind of see it as a, an everyday thing, mm. um, something where I was, I'll know instinctively how have I sort of had had a good day today, and have I sort of felt good about what I'm doing, and I'll sort of monitor it. So if I'm sort of going three or four days in a row where I'm feeling, you know, quite flat or whatever, I will say something. In my mm-hmm. case, you know, usually to my, to my wife, who, um, you know, obviously I live with and who's, you know, pretty good at listening and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but whether that might be to her or to, to somebody else. So I see it as almost managing uh, how you're feeling. And I've been fortunate in that I've never got to a stage where it's been a big problem for me in mm-hmm. my life. But, you know, I in normal times... I commute to uh, London for my house and I live down on the south coast. So it's best part of two hours into the office and best part right. of two hours out of the office. And doing that is really tough on you mentally. Yeah, I can and imagine. Yeah. With that, it's quite actually just not really thinking about it. Um, so I, I find that if I, if I think about what am I doing, I was wasting so much of my day and of my life, I, I would get quite down about it. But mm-hmm. because I can't control that if I want to stay in my job, I choose not to think about it. And I mm-hmm. think that works for me to sort of keep yeah. my mind in thinking about other stuff but every now and then I will have to sort of check in and just sort of not quite scream into the abyss but just say <laughs> God, what am I doing and sure yeah have a conversation about it and, and all that kind of stuff so yeah I mean I, I, I agree with you completely for me and I've, I've said this on this podcast before mental health is very much a spectrum as opposed to an on and off switch like you can one day you can be riding high the next minute you can be low and and no day is always the same and I think what's very important is being able to identify what about your life and your day-to-day and knowing yourself well enough to identify when things aren't as as good as they could be um and I think we all could work on on identifying ourselves a little better I think yeah I think so but then I I mean I personally follow a lot of people on Twitter who, who tweet about their mental health 
Um, and I find that really useful, um, even if I'm not necessarily replying to them, just to kind of hear people talking about that. Um, they might not even know, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're thinking about how they're feeling. They're not necessarily getting a, you know, a like or a reply from everybody who's seeing it. But I bet it is helping out a lot of people to kind of normalise the fact that people are, you know, are out there putting it out there. And I think we used to kind of say, well, it's very brave to talk about that kind of thing. And to an extent, I think it probably still is. But God, you know, people don't generally get any sort of uh, negative response to that anymore. Whereas mm -hmm. you might have done, you know, there's an enormous amount of support out there for people who, who are, I guess, up for talking about it. Doesn't mean everybody wants to. No, yeah. So many examples of people uh, who've literally just sort of put it out there and kind of, I'm just not feeling great today. But there was one. There's one back in October where there's a fella um, called uh, Edmund O'Leary, a uh, lovely Irish guy, and he just tweeted about, just, I think it was about midnight one night, he, said, he just tweeted out, I'm not okay, um, if you see this, can you say hello? And he had 102,000 Really, where? Yeah, um, and actually I spoke to him um, a few weeks later, we had him at, um, at our virtual sort of internal company meeting and got him to sort of tell his story. And um, it was really inspiring, you know, and, and it wasn't a, a big thing, just sort of putting it out there, but he said mm -hmm. the, the response he's had uh, to that has been fantastic. And you kind of see that quite a lot, you know, um, on, on Twitter, I think especially now, because, yeah, God, just the last few months have been bloody hard, haven't they? Yeah, uh, they really, really have. I think one thing that's unique about social media and Twitter yeah. in particular when it comes to um seeking support for mental health is that actually it is an almost i wouldn't say anonymous tool for it but it, it's much easier to reach out to somebody that you don't know on the internet for support and to feel like there won't be that backlash like you said from like your peers or family or something like that and actually being able to reach out on the internet for support can be easier for people than going to their manager at work or going to their friends and family. And that's like, that's got to be unique to this generation that people haven't had that support in the past. Yeah, absolutely. It's as easy as, you know, getting your phone out and just sort of typing your thoughts. And often, yeah, there can be a, a downside to that. Clearly, mm -hmm. sort of well documented, but there's a huge amount of positive as well. And actually, we did a bit of research in terms of why do people use Twitter when it comes to talking about their mental health. And then basically, the answer is because it's more human. Um, it's more direct and it's more responsive and, and Twitter seen as more human responsive and direct than other sort of social media platforms. I think as a real, mm -hmm. as I mentioned as a kind of a, a rawness to Twitter. Yeah. Of course, some people are sort of projecting, but not many. I think people are, are likely to go the opposite way on Twitter and talk about exactly how crap their, their life is, you know, for laughs and for lulls. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's, I think that's why people do it. And actually the main reason why people say they come to Twitter is for emotional support. So, you know, for, when it comes to mental health, it's for emotional support, both, you know, to, to receive it, but also to give it. Um, and then there's more practical things like, you know, campaigning for better mental health provision mm -hmm. and information about what services are available and what have you, which again, the internet, social media has just been brilliant at. You wouldn't have known, you know, when I was a kid growing up, there was one place around the corner that was called, I forget what it was called, but it was like a, a building you had to go into. Yeah. It was really horrible. Well, I would never go in there. Whereas now, you, know, you get your phone out and access it, access the information. So yeah, lots and lots of positive. Yeah, um, I mean that's one of the things I really want to want to dig deep with with yourself. And this is, you know, it's amazing that we've we've got you on to discuss this and actually getting somebody, a man on the inside, so to speak. And um, so, in terms of like tools that Twitter has available, uh, and any tips personally, really, that you have 
for people that are struggling with their mental health or want to get it, want to research or find any organizations that are very active on Twitter? What, what, we, where would you signpost them? Gosh, lots of different options. So there's lots of people, I think, who tweet very well about um, mental health and their own experience. So people like uh, Matt Haig, um, Aaron Gillies, who's on Twitter under the name of uh, Technically Ron. Uh, there's someone called um, Paul Nabell, who's uh, very, very good on Twitter. Um, so various people kind of like that. But there's, a, there's an actual um, topic on Twitter around mental health. You can sort of follow that, that too. Um, so I think all of those things. Uh, there's a very good charity called Calm. I'm sure a lot of your listeners mm-hmm. would come across them before. Calm Zone. Uh, they're very good on Twitter. got lots of good um, mental health ambassadors. Um, a fellow called Johnny Sharples is a very sort of um, good guy, very funny guy. He lost his um, brother uh, to suicide, but he's, he's um, brilliant at both talking about mental health, but also talking about football and other yep. stuff going on in his life. And I think that's true of what most people are, are doing. And most mental health advocates that I've mentioned are living their lives and they're tweeting about mental health at the same time as part of their lives. And I think that's kind of how, how, that, how that works, really. Um, but more broadly, I think there are loads and loads of kind of, and this is, you know, in, to the extent of if you have a, a, a problem, you know, do this by any means. This is more just mm-hmm. useful tools for all of us to help us have a better experience, really, which obviously in turn leads to better mental health. So there are tools like uh, Mute on Twitter, which is mm-hmm. a really good tool. Uh, so you can mute people, much like you can mute people on any other platform, but you can also mute words. So if there's certain words that you just know are annoying for you or triggering, uh, you can just mute them. So I've got, um, I think, MSM muted whenever people refer to you know, media scum. I think I've got yeah, it yeah, yeah. well, because I just I don't have time for that conversation. That's not something I agree with. So I mute that and don't ever see it. So that's yeah. um, You can also mute um, individual people. You can sort of block um, as well. As I know somebody who's, who's a huge advocate of what he calls um, a, a BAMO, which he says stands for block and move on. Okay. Uh, so block them and move on so rather than sort of getting involved in that sort of Mm -hmm. two and i think there's a general sense i mentioned to you earlier once you follow the right people on twitter that's when you sort of unlock that that experience so i'd say um it's like metaphor about on twitter there are two types of people there there are radiators and there are drains uh and just sort of mute the drains and and follow the radiators (laughs) would be the best advice no that's fantastic yeah wonderful silly stuff so you know for example um did you see the uh, World Cup of aging 80s footballers? So there's a fella on Twitter who basically had got his old Panini football sticker book. Yeah. And a load of them from the 80s looked really prematurely old. So you've got this 25-year-old bloke who looks... Oh, wow. Um, and he's, he set up his Twitter account called 80s Aging. And it's just really every day a new sticker of somebody looks like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's one of those silly one-joke Twitter accounts. But he did a thing um, back in November with the World Cup of... So you had like this knockout, you voted for it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And God, it, it was just mostly men of a certain age in the replies going, this is exactly why I love Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel it's silly, it's distracting, um, and it's kind of wonderful. So so I'd seek out those kind of people as part of your your um, your yeah, your balanced diet of Twitter. <laughs> I, um, you'd be surprised, as I say, if you open up and talk about how you're feeling, the, the response you get. I follow, um, you know, I follow people on Twitter, a lot of Wolves fans, and I've seen, you know, several Wolves fans talking about their mental health. Um, and, and you know, I've even sent a couple of them sort of DMs and said, look, we don't know each other. We happen to suffer the same football team. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and, and people, again, respond particularly well to that. Um, and then I think um, things like 
don't necessarily look at replies to certain tweets. Mm -hmm. They wind you up. So, you know, you, there are certain, not many, but I think there's just a few people who sort of say stuff that you just don't need in your life. And, you know, the football team uh, tweets, often the replies to that very rarely add value to uh, you know, yeah. your, your life. So don't look at those. Um, and I think occasionally just switch it off. Um, which is something I find quite hard to do. At least I can justify it by saying, well, I have to check in because I work here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, I, I, say I love Twitter and I spend so much time on it, but there are times where you just want to, uh, you know, turn it off and go for a walk and do something else. So I think, you know, a bit of that as well. So hopefully some of that is quite useful. It's not rocket science, any of it. You know, it's just, if you're not having a good time, don't follow that person, don't get involved in that conversation and go off and, um, and do something else instead. Yeah, I, th I think for me personally, that's that's half the battle um, is 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 letting go of something that I know is toxic. Now yeah. I follow I follow a lot of walls related activity. But I also follow a lot of pro wrestling activity, and um, those are two hobbies that have very passionate people that like what they like, don't like what they don't like, and um, and the two shall not meet. Um, yeah, and I think it's gone. Go to a pub, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. After match, and yeah, your mates might have a certain perspective that you sort of laugh and then yeah, talk about something else. Um, but on Twitter, you can go to every table in the pub and listen to what they're saying if you mm -hmm. want. And it's great that all these communities can sort of come together and share these passions and whatever. But I think the people, the one or two people who are you know a bit negative, get can get undue attention because mm -hmm. people are quote tweeting them saying, "Look what this person said." Or, of course. Whatever. So we, as Twitter, are thinking about, well, how do we um, you know, show that kind of stuff? How do we incentivize people on Twitter more broadly? Because uh, at the moment, it just it tends to work that the more controversial stuff can sort of bubble up to the, to the top. And I'm not sure that always makes people feel great. Mm -hmm. uh, Whereas me sending a tweet saying, I thought Den Donka had a good sort of game today, 7 out of 10. I mean, A, it happens every week. And <laughs> it's not going to get a lot of controversy. Yeah. You know, so, so we need to we 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 need to, and we are sort of thinking about that about that as well. But on a personal level, as I say, it's about as you said yourself, recognizing that passions can run high and taking time out from it when you need to, um, particularly after yeah, the walls get beaten. Which <laughs> is always uh, and always an emotive subject at the best of times. Well, wow. David, I, listen, I really, really appreciate you coming on. It, it's excellent to have somebody um, from within an actual platform that gets, I would say, a good seventy percent of my social media time. I find it fascinating to talk about, and I could bend you about it all night. I really could. But <laughs> listen, thank you on behalf of um, the fancast for coming on, um, right. and hope you enjoy the game. So thanks to uh, David for his uh, interview there. Another um, fan cast favourite, and he's appeared on on uh, several podcasts that we follow. And he's a, he's a really good um, really good Twitter account himself, just in terms of um, awareness of what the pros are of Twitter. I think what I want to finish up on is actually let's look at the pros of what we what we can use social media for and have an impact on them as a whole in a positive way. So. I've seen very, very um, recently accounts where people have actually just looked for support. And I mentioned this on the interview with David is that actually it can be easier sometimes to reach out for support when you're in a, in, in a in not fantastic place because 
you don't want that stigma of a, of your friends and family knowing and actually speaking to a stranger can be better for you or more cathartic i guess um what do you think about that adam i mean have you ever reached out to the on mass to the general public and as that ever you know is there a, is there a pro there or is that something that you don't feel like you'd have the the confidence or, or or you'd be worried about the backlash of what other people might think yeah that's not something that i've ever done probably for that reason to yeah. be honest but backlash of what people would think you know that there were absolutely accounts out there which you can go to for help with mental health issues um all the obvious ones which you know we, we, we can maybe put a tag in on on, on the, the tweet post for this but um it's not something that 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 I've ever done but it's I appreciate that that is a, one of the good sides of social media and the fact that it's very easy to reach out to, to these sort of places um to drop them a quick I don't know, quick message, possibly like even a DM into them to say that you're struggling with X, Y, and Z. Um, and what, what, you know, what help can you offer for me essentially? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's good to be honest, it's a, it's a good thing to say because it's good to have that balance really that, you know, we have talked about the negative impacts of, of social media, but obviously there is a good side to it, you know, and, and, we don't know yet whether the good outweighs the bad side, but obviously there is a lot of good on, on social media and it obviously can mobilise a lot of movements mm -hmm. uh, for charity giving, et cetera, et cetera. There's, there's many useful functions it has other than the, the basic premise of connecting people. Um, but it is good to know for people who have issues or difficulties that there are plenty of, of accounts out there which people can, can reach out to. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely it's a case of i think being able to avoid the negativity if you can get a grasp on that avoid the negativity of social media there are some huge benefits especially in lockdown now especially where people feel more isolated than they ever had and they can't fulfill some of the things that would give them joy in their lives normally whether that be going out seeing friends having a beer at the weekend going to the wolves anything like that Social media can be a good substitute for certain things. I just think it's really important that we take stock of when we're not having a great time on social media and then that's having an impact on our day-to-day -day lives because it should be there as an entertainment tool or a communication tool, not as, as something that's affecting your mental health you know we've spoke about fear of missing out we spoke about body image we spoke about conflicts and negativity and we've touched on trolling and, and things like that so those are obviously some of the cons of, of social media but rich give me a happy slant on it talk me talk me around what are the, some of the things that you actually get a joy out of social media and how does it positively impact your mental health so i'm very selective in terms of who i follow mm -hmm. um for, for starters you know <laughs> It sounds stupid, but uh, you know, follow follow accounts that are going to bring you joy. You know, have a bit of happiness about it, and I think um, well, I think that sticks out for me is community and mm -hmm. having that sort of sense of togetherness, whether it's Wolves fans, let's say, uh, because you know we can be an odd breed sometimes, and we don't always no one agrees with anyone, but actually, you have got a sense of belonging there, and whether it's on my own account and it, people have not even really 
met in person maybe a couple of times not or just online or you know little ones that come from a fan cast especially from these mental health shows which is why you know i'm fully on board with us doing as many of these as we can do it's when we get sort of direct messages messages thanking us for doing it for you know genuinely being there and for me it takes a lot to put yourself out there online even if it's a direct message now i'm I was trying to think back in terms of not cries for help, let's say, but, you know, posts sort of saying you're not doing okay. And for I I can't see myself write it, writing a, a tweet saying I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or even a direct message personally. But I did do a blog at the start of this year um, after going to sort of see the doctor about my mental health. And it was really nice getting messages back saying, you know, it was really interesting to read. I've had sort of similar feelings, stuff like that. Um, I think it's really helped sort of put things into context for me. People who I say I know very well and Mm. people who I don't know very well. And that kind of made me feel genuinely positive about a doing it um, in, in a format that felt comfortable for me in a time that felt right for me. Um, but to then know I kind of made a positive impact from that and, you know, to, to have a mate kind of message me out, you know, said, didn't know that's kind of what you were going through, you know, where I am. And I said the usual, uh, the, the usual, the usual lines that, you know, any mate will say to you. And he messaged me about two days later and says, really sorry, but I've kind of been a bit inspired by your post. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind if I do one of my own on Facebook and, and sort of mention you? And like part of me, for a second, I was like, well, I don't know. And then I thought, actually, no, because I'm being sort of seen as someone who is, you know, like see someone leading from the front. And, you know, genuinely to see him say that as well kind of mm. filled me with a lot. Um, so I, I, a thousand percent there's, you know, there's positive things out there. And you know what? It's It sounds stupid. But if you don't agree with someone or if you don't like what they're saying, there's a huge button that allows you not to interact with them and just follow them. And it, yeah. it, you know, and I'd like to think there's no real shame in it. Um, you know, some people might take offense at, uh, take offense to it, but you know, I say I'm fairly selective um, by and large, you know, I, I've, you know, I follow, follow friends, follow people of interest for me. You know, if it's people who don't, no, I find it a hell of a lot easier to follow them. It's particularly like journalists and people like that who or people have seen doing blog one time. Oh, they might be an interesting following. Then realize, oh, actually, I don't quite. I've just realized it sounds stupid. I've realized they're a Man United fan. I <laughs> go, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. Um, that thing, that's, you know, if you can realize you don't need it, follow the people who will give you that positivity, then go for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's 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 the support out there. We'll put it on the tweets as well, so people can directly directly link onto it. But you know, youngminds.org.uk is one that's, that that helps with. You know, we haven't even talked about like the impact on social media on like the younger generation than ourselves. And there's a lot more pressure on people to stay like relevant and up to date and and things like that. And we haven't even really like, scratched the surface on that. I guess the point of this episode and the point of the series in general is to just get the conversation going with people and actually 
hopefully people can listen to this and then, and then just take a step back and think, is social media working for me? Am I getting more benefit out of it than I am negativity? Is it having a direct impact on my happiness and my well-being? And I guess if you can ask yourself that question and be honest with yourself and you are having benefits, fair fucks to you because I'm, you know, that's exactly what we want. If it's not, there are loads of things that you can do to help yourself. If it's whether it's just take a break, mute or block things that give you negativity or just identify that actually this whole, the singing, the whole singing and dancing world of Instagram, for example, isn't real life and reality. Filters could do a hell of a lot. I'm sure even I could look like a five out of 10 if you put the right filter on me. So there's, there's you know, there's, it isn't all like roses are singing and dancing in the street um, as, as like social media may appear it to be. So I guess to sign off on the episode, really, if we can all take a step back and take stock of what mental health, our own mental health is on a regular basis, social media can have a part to that for good and, and for bad. Right then, guys, we'll wrap up for now. I hope you guys have had fun speaking about it. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experiences about what mental health and social media um, how they kind of work with each other and, and and the pros and the cons of social media. Um, we've already done an episode in this series, kind of more of a general overview about mental health and our experiences. And we're going to be doing more in this series um, around a kind of a deep dive into anxiety um, and depression. And we are going to have a look at um, suicide as a topic as well and, and get some, you know, get some speakers on from charities that can help there. So, if there's anything as well that you guys want us to talk about and actually would help you having three idiots like ourselves just talking about and, and sharing our experiences and, and you, you know, you take some, 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 something from that, please drop us a message. It's something, you know, this is an open forum for people. We're here to kind of open the conversation and that's all we really want from this is get, is getting people talking because you'd be amazed at what, that can do just by having that conversation with somebody when you require support so for now richard if you want to say bye see you next time guys ad if you want to say bye yes guys and stay safe and from me matt look after yourself guys